Hi, and welcome to an episode of our Pulse In brought to you by the Students of Color Collective in partnership with CFUV. SOC is an advocacy group committed to anti-racism, social justice, and BIPOC mental health. We provide community support and resources for racialized students. This year, our Pulse In is an audio project with themes such as love, unity, and social justice. These episodes were produced on the traditional territories of the Lekwungen-speaking peoples and the Spanish peoples. And today I am joined with the lovely Carolina Zerk. Some of you might have already seen the awesome video that she created um, moving from about moving from one place to another. Hello, Carolina. Welcome. We're so glad to have you. <laughs> Hello, dude. Thank you for having me. That's fun. I'm excited. Great. I was hoping that we could start off with introductions. Uh, since I already introduced your name, do you think you could tell me a little bit more about yourself? What personal pronouns you go by and where you're recording from currently? Sure. So my name is Carolina. Usually people actually call me Vic, which is interesting. Um, I'm 25. I'm from Brazil. Um, My pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, And um, I'm from the Germanic and Slavic study department at UVic. I moved here to, I'm, I'm currently in Victoria and I moved here last year. Um, and yeah, that's it. I'm doing my master's. So. You identify yourself as an artist or would you think that you're more of a hobbyist? You submitted a video. Are you a video creator? How would you talk about your artwork? Um, I would say I wish I was an artist. I don't think I consider myself as an artist, but, um, um, I'm really into art. I would say it's a hobby, but I would love to work with it, especially like photography um, and video. Um, and yeah, and um, the, the video was amazing to make. Um, I was, oh, maybe we should talk about that later. But yeah, I was trying to create a kind of like experience through video um, and, and mixing my my kind of my background with it so yeah that was that was a really good experiment if i can say so that was my first video like ever that you've ever created yeah like okay like i'm gonna make a video about something that was it (laughs) wow that's that's amazing um what inspired you to submit a video to soft scene um, I always wanted to be part of the collective itself, but I, I guess I never kind of have the time. Um, and then I was like, oh, I, I, I saw your call and I was like, oh, that might be a great opportunity. Why not? And then I guess it was because I'm here. So I'm so glad you did. So what about video made you want to use that as the art form for your expression? Why did you choose video to I think it's the easiest way I can express myself somehow is the easiest media. Um, I was thinking also about photography, but I, I, I don't think photography could 
um, embrace everything I wanted to put in. So, and video, I don't know, video is more evocative somehow. Um, yeah, I think video for me is one of the most um, effective, effective um, kind of like art to, to make like connections. Mm-hmm. It does make sense. And we haven't actually formally talked about what your video is. We're just referring it to as the video. Um, but for our listeners who haven't seen it or might have seen it, uh, just to recap, would you like to explain what the video was about and what it highlighted? Sure. Um, so one of the teams from the call was Paradigm, Paradigm Shift. And uh, my video starts a little bit with um, a, what can I say, a, a camera through Victoria and then explains like how, but before to explain how I got here, I come back to time. And there's um, some shots that I had in Brazil. Um, I was born in Islam in Brazil. And I felt that uh, I did, um, I felt I had those, those videos um, before I come to Canada, just the videos, like I just, I just made the recordings, but I, I didn't, I didn't have anything in mind. And then, but I really wanted to use it for something. Um, and then I was like, oh, actually I can, I can put it all together. And then I, I had some videos also here in Canada. So I kind of put it all together. So the video is pretty much me in the Islam. I used to live in Brazil. Um, some, it shows my house, the view. It's really interesting, actually. And um, and then it cuts back to where I am today. So it kind of shows like how how things can change and um, and how they did. It's it's really I don't know. I really I'm really proud of it. Yeah, it's awesome, and I think people watching would agree. Um, it's really interesting that process you just outlined, how you didn't really have um, anything set in mind, but you did have video clips and everything kind of just meshed together in that sense. What was the video creating process for you like? Um, it was actually fun. Um, I went there with my dad. So my dad kind of helped me like to put the camera inside the camera. And actually, my dad helped me a lot. He was like, oh, you should stand there. You should stand there. Like, you used to play here when you were a kid. Well, you used to did this here when you were a kid. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and yeah, my dad was with me this whole time, which was awesome. I called him as soon as I got the your email, and he was so happy. And he was like, I knew it. I knew it. It was really cute. But yeah. Um, but the, the video, the creation was really, really nice. And it just shows, like, real, real... Um, just real moments of my life, to be honest. Nothing was like intonated. Nothing is like, I don't know. It was just really organic, if I can say so. Yeah, the clips were super interesting. I've never been to Brazil myself, but the music and the scenery and everything that was brought together in that video was so lively to see. I was wondering, what was your upbringing like in Brazil, um, having come from there? Yeah, I think it was really important. Um, to be honest, um, we were really poor um, when I was before I was born. Of course, um, I, I as I said, I was born and raised in this slum in Brazil, and um, life was kind of rough in the beginning. But then my parents um, starting um, changing 
he they wanted a different life for me so um they decided that like okay we have to to live this situation um because it's not easy at all we have um really bad issues with the police when you live in the slums and there's a lot of violence there so it's not the best environment to raise your kid and my parents knew that so they kind of they kind of worked for years to try to take me out of there if, which is it's kind of heartbreaking like that's their goal if you know what I mean but then things get better and I'm here and then they, yeah and they're so proud sometimes they're like they don't even know they're like I don't understand how did you do that because they don't even speak English so it's it's kind of funny and my goal is actually to bring them here I don't know if they want to live in Canada but just visit maybe they can change their minds yeah it would be nice to have parents to visit when they could yeah um so it was really interesting uh thank you for sharing that in your video you did mention something about the impossible dream that was a that was um bracketed so i wanted to speak to you more about that what what's this idea of the impossible dream sure um you know when you when you're a kid and there is this question, what do you what do you want to be when you grow up? So this kind of always like hunted me because I never wanted to be something like I I didn't have that thing, oh I wanna be, I don't know, a ballerina or I wanna be a teacher or I wanna be a doctor. I, I honestly I never had that. I always and even my moms make fun of me and I have like diaries when I was younger. I always wanted to live abroad. But not never I, I never mentioned like a specific place it seems like i wanted to just wander i don't i don't it's, it's just a weird feeling that i always i always carried with me um and then when i when i was a little bit older i i was like if i'm not mistaken 15 i told my mom hey mom um i would like to know like to visit another country and then my mom laughed <laughs> and she was like i'm really sorry but that's not possible and and that made me so confused at the time. I was like, wait, what? Like, why? Like, why? And she's like, we just can't. Like, it's just so many things that involve just going to another country. And I'm really sorry, but we cannot provide that to you. And that that no, that no was the shift. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I don't, I don't like this. I don't really like this. And then um, after that, no, I kind of like started um, working so much to get what I wanted and to be what I wanted to be. So I got into college, I started working, I started saving all of my money. I made my first trip when I was, it took me a while though, because my, my parents couldn't support me. But I, I traveled for the first time abroad when I was um, 19. And then after that, I kind of got the, the travel bug. I was like, okay, next step, I'm going to live. Like, I'm going to live abroad. Yeah, and here I am. So I, I think it worked. So was um, Canada your first choice of living abroad? Or did you have other places that you wanted to? No, it wasn't actually. That's which makes no sense. I, I love when people ask me, what is my, what am I studying? Because I'm just like, I'm studying German in Canada. And people are like, okay, I think I understand. But yeah, no, I really wanted to go to Germany. 
the reason I didn't choose I didn't choose to go to Germany has everything to do with um, the fact that I'm black. <laughs> um, I know Europe right now. Um, I don't even know if I can say right now, but I didn't feel Europe would be the best place for me to make a life, if I can say so. I think visiting is fine, but I've heard so, I have so many friends and they had so many experiences in Europe and especially Germany. And I kind of was a little bit scared, to be honest. And then I've heard, um, and then I was like, okay, like, what can I do? Um, I, I still want to go there really, really badly. I still want to live there. But I don't know. I feel that in that moment of my life, I wasn't ready to face whatever I was thinking I was going to. And then I, I, I knew Canada was so diverse and it was so open and had so many opportunities. And I don't know. Issues still happen here, of course. And honestly, I don't, I don't even know if I can ever um, go away from that. But there are places and places. And um, to be honest, I feel safer and more um, accepted here in Canada than I even was in Brazil, which is kind of controversial. I don't know. I just, I just, I just kind of went with my gut. And um, I'm, honestly, I'm not, um, I, I don't regret. I think I made the right choice. But Germany is still an option. Yeah. And it, it's really interesting that you mentioned that, um, that those were your initial thoughts when um, considering living in Germany was, well, what will I face when I'm there? And I feel like as a person of color, that's something that's intrinsically in our mindset when we do travel or when we do go to different places. There's a set of questions and rules and guidelines that we follow that people who don't have our personal experiences as people of color wouldn't consider. So, yeah, yeah, it, it was just it really resonated with me when you said that, because I, I myself refrain from going to certain places and I have to think, oh, wait, but I look like this. Will it be safe? Will it be OK for me to go there? Um, I feel like that speaks a lot about being a person of color in societies today. Um, so my question for you is, do you feel like um, people of color face uh, different boundaries when traveling or different boundaries in other aspects of their lives? Oh, yes, of course. Um, um, I don't know, like, I'm really scared of airports, for example, which doesn't make lots of sense because I love traveling. But I don't know, there's always this, I don't know, there's some barriers. And I really like to call them symbolic barriers because sometimes they're not um, specifically like as violent as we, there's, there's different kinds of violence. This is what this is my point, and um, I think we should consider this um, as, as you mentioned, when you're a, a person of color. For example, I still feel that's um, really here, really hard here to make friends. I don't know, even though it's a really friendly place. I feel I feel there is this bubble that people just it's hard to get into. And I'm still trying to understand how this works here. Because I'm from Brazil and we're really welcoming. We're really open. 
if you ask for for example for some for directions to someone in Brazil, you're probably gonna end up in their place just with their friends and having fun because that's that's what it is like we're really open and here I don't know like I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this um, and then for example being followed in stores like I'm so used to those things now but it's kind of sad um, and yeah and then when I left my mom um, my mom always make make sure like be careful don't trust everyone um just be aware of things that's gonna happen i don't know it feels like we always have to be prepared and we always have to like arm ourselves for things that are gonna happen oh, that's a fair feeling um talking more about the point of paradigm shift you kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, I wanted to ask you is, um, have there been any changes in your perspective or thought having moved from one country to another? Um, has anything changed in your perspectives or outlook, outlooks of things for the better or for the worse? I would say yes. Um, in Brazil, I had a really, I had a really good job there, but at the same time, I didn't feel that I, I'm really ambitious. Um, also, yeah, I might mention that I work as a intellectual property paralegal, which is pretty much um, as a legal assistant. If you ever watch, have you ever watched Suits, the show Suits? I've heard so many things about it. Yeah, so there's Rachel, which is this character, which is actually uh, Meghan Markle, the our lovely princess that's not a princess anymore. Um, she used to play this role. That's pretty much what I do. Um, and yeah, I used to work as a paralegal in Brazil, um, which is a really fun job. But at the same time, I felt that I wouldn't be able to accomplish as many things that I would like. Um, and then I came here to Canada and... I'm so fortunate to be able to do the same job as I used to do in Brazil. And here I have so many more opportunities. Um, uh, Travel-wise, I as soon as like the borders are open, I'll be able to travel for my, my firm. I'll be able to go to conferences. I'll be able to um, provide lectures and things like that. And those are things that wouldn't happen if I was in Brazil, for example. Watching your video, there was so much life and joy present in it. It seemed like a giant celebration, the music, everything. Um, what aspects of Canadian and Brazilian culture do you enjoy celebrating? You kind of touched on it a bit with saying the opportunities present in Canada, but is there anything you'd wish to add on to that? Or is there anything you'd like to account for with Brazilian culture? Yeah, I love Brazilian music. Is one of the things that I miss the most. Um, even though we have like means to listen to Brazilian music here, even though it's not the same thing, um, and we have we're we're celebrators, if I can say so. Um, we're really happy people. So this is something I kind of proud with me here in Canada. But then I found out things that it seems like traveling. You you like you go 
to a different place and then you ended up um, knowing yourself way much better than you used to for I, I, it's really hard to explain I've I found hobbies here that I, I honestly never thought that I would have for example like um, I love cooking. Um, I love snow. Oh my goodness, I love snow so much. Is I just can't, I just can't control myself with snow. I look like a kid, and yeah, and of course we don't have any of those. Like we don't have snow in Brazil. Is no making it really happen? There's a there's a, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, there is. There's a part of the video that's snowing a lot, and my face is just like oh my gosh, I'm so happy. <laughs> oh well <laughs> I don't know I just love everything about it to be honest it seems like every day I wake up it's just like is this real like is this really happening like am I here that's awesome that sounds like there is a lot worth celebrating for yeah like <laughs> you wake up you feel yourself you're like wait this is real life <laughs> I ask myself so many times like is this real life it sounds like a movie that's really cool getting to know your background a bit. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the social just, justice aspect of art and artwork. My first question being, what are your thoughts on represent, representation in the arts? I think it was still, we're, we're getting better at it as people of color, but there's still so many, I don't know, so many people that, um, are not um, as um, recognized as they should. Um, I still feel that it's hard to see ourselves in the arts. It's majority, um, it's majority white, unfortunately, but I think we're trying to um, go after that and change those things. For example, I, there is this um, artist from Portugal called Grada Quilomba. I don't know if you're familiar with her. And she's artist who, who works to examine memory, trauma, gender, racism, um, post-colonialism. She is amazing. And she's one of my like biggest um, inspirations. And I don't know, I feel that um, there's, there's a lot of room to dad input. And I feel like um, we should just keep um, producing as much as we can so maybe we can change that and make art um, a little bit more egalitarian and so talking about artists that inspire you and maybe the messages and themes that they convey in their artwork like gender or talking about police and social justice uh, what power does art have in your community do you feel um I feel, for example, let's talk about music, funk. We have this um, genre in Brazil. It's called funk, but it's not the same funk we know here. Um, it's pretty much like uh, the rap version of, I don't know, it's kind of like a rap. It was um, it was popularized in the slums, and, those, and the songs are usually to criticize social injustices and then go against the um, brutal... Um, actions from the police for example and then it ended up being really marginalized because um it was a music for uh where the majority of people that used to listen to it was black but then now um this has shifted and then funk ended up being and 
probably it is. I can I can even say that it's one of the most um, popular genres in like song genres in Brazil. If you go, for example, to any um, song platform or music platform, and you go to or um, like top top ten Brazil, probably nine out of ten songs will be um, funk. So I think, um, for example, this this is something amazing because uh, a while ago you would not be listening to it, and now, it, and now you it's it's all around, and so you can cha- you can see how music are is changing um, lives of so many people from those communities, and they're actually like being able to share their message while still doing what they they love, which is art. So um, yeah this is for me is like really amazing yeah i feel like that ties into a question i had um about how art plays a role in fighting societal norms like your example with the funk and helping change people's lives do you have any insights on how art might further help fight societal norms or cultural norms i like to use art um and to consume art when it has a political meaning. And I don't even know if you can, I don't know, for me it's really hard to dissociate um, art and politics. And um, in Brazil, most of our, if you if you put it, um, if you take um, people, uh, people of color, art produced by people of color, I'm pretty, it's gonna be really hard to dissociate those two things. I think just being produced and being shared, maybe it might be um, a way to to go against those norms. And you made a really interesting point. Um, you said that art and social justice, you don't really distinguish the two. And I think that um, says a lot about how art has the power to challenge narratives and introduce things in a different light. Um, So yeah, in a sense, art can inherently be political. And I think that's just so interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, A really good friend of mine wrote this play called uh, Musical Chairs. And it's it's literally that game, Musical Chairs, and it's played by four Black women. But they're, they're all blindfolded. And during the play, um, they are um, they're um, they're reproducing they're reproducing, um, for example, um, sexist norms. For example, oh, I have to get married, I have to have kids, I have to take care of my family, and um, and I don't, and there's no room for um, for any 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 way to escape from this. How can I say? Like there's no room if you want to be something else, if I can say so. But then during the the game, when they they're they're playing musical chairs, right? But they're all blindfolding, which means they don't see the reality the way it is. But then when they all sit and there is one person left because there is no chair, they take the blindfold, and then they see what it what it what it really is until until nobody's left in the game, and then by the end of the play. Oh my goodness, I'm spo- spoiling, but who knows? Maybe my friend can come here <laughs> at Uvic. Um, but by the end of the play, um, they all can see the reality they are. 
and it, it goes it goes with um, it talks a little bit about, about um, feminism it talks a little about um, racism and is really interesting so for example this is um, this is how art can go against those social norms social norms and fight um, injustice I feel like that example with the play you just brought up and the video that you created um, kind of highlights the idea of being put in a box in a way. And in your video, you mentioned that you were trying to stray away from being put in a box. Um, do you feel like pursuing artwork and moving to Canada and traveling abroad helps you do those things and helps you move away from the idea of being put in a box. What does being put in a box mean to you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess putting in, being in a box would be said yes to what my mom said to me back then. Like, oh, you can't do that. And I was like, okay. And that's it. That's my fate. It, it, that's, it is what it is. And then, um, no, we have to challenge that. And even I, I, sometimes I feel that choosing to study German is not there there is a little bit of a little bit more on that than just loving German language because my of course my department <laughs> I'm the only person of color and um, and I don't know I feel like choosing to study a language that usually you don't see people like you there it's a symbol of resistance. Resistance, um, for example, doing a master program itself, it can be a symbol of um, resistance. And then, and then, um, it's really nice the work you you're all doing here because you're just promoting those voices. You're giving a voice to us, right? Um, and yeah, I feel that I don't know. I, I I I my friends make fun of me because I always say don't don't tell me what to do. That's my that's my motto. Like don't tell me what to do because I'm probably going to do totally the opposite. And yeah, maybe that's what it is putting me in a box. I love when people say that I can't. I guess that's my 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 trigger when people say you can't. I was like, "Oh, watch me." Yes, I do. That's such a good response to being told I can't. Just not arguing. Just, oh, okay. I'll watch me. Just watch me. Show them. Just show them. I don't even, I don't even, yeah, I don't even waste my time. It's like, just give me a one year. One year is my, my timeline. Just wait. Just give me a second and I can show you. You mentioned being a person of color in school and in the spaces that you find yourself in. I guess that would be a little bit of a shock coming from Brazil, which would probably primarily be people of color and people of Brazilian heritage. And then you move to Canada, specifically Victoria, which is arguably a very white space. I'm challenging. Yeah, I'm loving doing that. And then, yes, Victoria, it's at first glance, it's, it scared me. And I was just like, oh my gosh, where am I? <laughs> but then now, it just, I don't know if you have this thing, but now every time I pass, for example, when I'm on the street, 
and I pass for someone that's black, it kind of has this little nod going on. It's just like, I got you. And then the other person, yeah, I got you. And then we move even move on our lives, if you know what I mean. And it's super awesome. And even my boyfriend, my boyfriend sometimes is like, do, do you know this person? I was like, no, I don't. And it's like, why, why, are, you, why are you nodding to them? I was like, dude, it's really hard to explain. No, it is. And I've experienced that too. Um, coming from Calgary, Treaty 7 territory, I think I took the diversity for granted because when I touched down in Victoria and entered this very white space, I was a little scared as well. Um, and I was like, okay, um, I don't look like anyone here. What am I supposed to do now? Um, so yeah, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. Going back to art and your artwork, do you believe your personal and or cultural values and belief influence how you conduct yourself um, in life or how you conduct your artwork? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I feel I'm really, to be honest, I'm really, really grateful to have my background. I'm really glad that I was born where I was born. And I'm really proud of that. I don't, I don't, sh- I don't hide. I love to share this part of me because it was so important I've learned so much I learned how to be humble I learned how to not how to do things by by myself if you want it if you want it you go and get it I don't know my 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 roommates call me a hustler they're like I never saw I never saw anyone just like like I never saw this in my entire life and even with my application process itself um I got I was refused, to be honest, at UVic. They because um, I did a bachelor degree in Portuguese literature in Brazil. There was no connection to German at all. But during my bachelor degree in German, uh, in sorry, in uh, in Portuguese literature, I I started reading um, German authors, but in Portuguese. And then I decided, okay, I really like this, like, huh? And then that's how kind of like things. Um, starting to be connected to the Germany part of my life if I can say so but then I applied to UVic and I had no German background at all and um and I wanted to do a master a master's in German and they were like um I don't I don't think like I don't I don't know what to do and I was like what if I develop the required German level you want me to have by September and they're like, oh, like, but that's a lot. It's pretty much like going from zero to 80 in months. Um, and they, and I was like, no, no, I can, I can totally do that. And they're like, oh, okay, like, sure. So you can apply. And I did, I did apply. But then after my application, I developed my German language skills. And then, um, and then the results came, the application results, and I got refused at Uvic. And it just broke my world because I worked so hard to get my German level, like to have a high German level. But then they, they said it wasn't even because of that. It was because I had no German background. But I did. But it was just a German background in Portuguese, if I can. It, it makes sense. Well, yeah, I just studied German, but it was in Portuguese instead of in German language. So what I did, um, I, I requested all the syllabus from all the courses I took in Brazil and I translated 
to English. And I literally highlighted every time that I was uh, that the syllabus mentioned like a, a German author reference, which was a lot. And I came back to them and I was like, hello, everyone. I just don't accept your decision. My email was really, <laughs> really rude. I was just like, I just don't accept your decision. I feel that I am as capable as anyone else to be in this program. And I think I deserve it. So here it is. I literally translated. I guess it was more than like 50 pages. It was a lot. And I highlighted everything that was German related. And then... And I thought they were like, okay, you're crazy. But no, actually what they did was, okay, we got your 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 like your new documents. We're going to um, make a, a reunion. Like we're going to like put all professors together to talk about your case. And maybe we can reconsider your case. And I was like, oh, okay. And then, and then a, a, a week or two after they came back to me and they were like, oh, I'm really sorry, but like your GPA is amazing. Your thesis proposal is incredible. Like, I don't even know how, how you're in this level, but you don't have, you don't have still, you don't have the, the same background as the other students because they had to take a German degree and you didn't. So like, we don't really know like if it's fair with them and if it's fair with you. So that was my second no. And it, I wrote another email. I know. I was just like, oh my goodness. But that, that one was like, okay, that would be my last email. And I was like, I, I, I understand your decision, but I really think you should reconsider. Because, and I literally put in bullet points why I should be accepted. <laughs> that was too much. That was really over the top. But I really, really, really wanted it. And I don't know, in my head, that was my only chance. So I literally wrote an email, bullet points, why I should be accepted at UVic, and then hit send. And they, and they instead of saying, like, okay, like, that's too much, girl, they were like, okay, we're going to meet again. Like, we're going to put all professors again. We're going to talk about your case one once more. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Okay, they're like, they're actually listening to me. I would have been I would have been listening to me at that point. <laughs> yes, and that was because I guess applications like it's by like no, when they accept you is like March or April or something like that. I'm not sure. But this was like June, June or July. That was like a while and then classes started in September and I still and I was refused and then after um after that they came back once more and they're like I'm really sorry you really should apply like next year um, because it was just for, you were not in for just a little bit. And I was like, okay, like I really tried and I was devastated. I was really, really, really upset, but I did everything I could, right? But then a week after that, um, I got an email from my supervisor today. <laughs> what a roller coaster. And she was like, hey, Carol, are you still interested? And I was just like, oh my, oh my <laughs> mm -hmm. gosh, what a roller coaster. And this was like July, but there is more. She gave me a condition and it was a crazy condition. She was like, okay, you really want to come, right? And you really think you deserve. And I was like, yes, I do. And <laughs> then she was like, okay, so I'm going to propose you something. You're going to take four courses. Those four courses, it's German, like advanced, like the highest level of German they had. 
German language classes. So you're going to take two advanced German classes and two advanced um, like literature, literature German classes. You have to have at least A- minus in all of them. If you get less than that, you're back home. So I have to get A- minus in all of those courses over the whole year. And if I didn't, I would go back home. And then she was like, do you think you can do that? And I was like, of course I can do that. Hell yeah. And then I, I packed my things and I came. Yeah, I got my A minuses and all of them. And then after that, I'm officially in the master program. Wow. So that was a ride. That was a hell of a ride, but it was super worth it. And then after that, all of my professors were like, okay, I never saw this in my entire life. Yeah. I don't yeah. even under I don't I don't even understand, but yeah, like how how I don't even know like if you can I I don't think this is like a thing like when they say no it's no right hmm. no apparently not for you <laughs> yeah yeah apparently not everyone is like yeah apparently not and even like one of my friends got refused three times in the same program and she was like they said no I said okay I will apply next year they said no to you you said no you're gonna accept me right now. And here you are. So maybe I should have done that. I was like, yeah, maybe you should. So from hearing that story, that was incredible. Your journey coming here. There were so many points where I was like, ah, darn. But then I was like, wait, wait, <laughs> hold on. Um, and I feel like our listeners were, if they're hanging on still, I feel like that was their experience as well. I wanted to ask you, where does that drive come from? I just want to change. I just want, I don't want to be, we were talking about being in a box. I don't want to be in this box. They, some, I don't know, society put me there. I just don't want to. I don't, I don't really, it really bothers me. Like why I cannot have a master's in a German language in another country? Why? Like, who are you to tell me? You know what I mean? I just can't, I just, like if, I don't know, sometimes it's just like, Sometimes I ask myself why, why I'm like that. And for some reason, I was so sure that this would work. And I'm so sure about many other things about my future, like being um, super successful in my work. Um, I don't know. I just know, I, because, maybe because I know myself. I, I know I just stop. I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing, but I just stop when I get it, when I get what I want in this sense. So yeah, there's so much. I just, I just want so much, so, so, so much in this life, and I won't. I literally won't stop until I get it. Like everything I, I imagine myself in. I do really love seeing that drive, um, especially in people of color. Your story is incredibly inspirational. I've never really heard anything like that. Um, and so then I guess I would ask. What advice do you have for the next generation of artists or people of color uh, like you who are trying to achieve something and the word no is presented to themselves? Do you have anything that you would offer? It seems to be such a cliche, but I guess sometimes we just can't run from it. Like just... I, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't even believe in impossible anymore. It's such a cliche. I know, but I just, I just can't 
I just can't. I prove, I prove my, I prove other people to be honest wrong so many times, and I, somehow I prove myself right so many times about like things you can or you cannot do. So I feel like, um, just trust, just trust, and just trust in the in your passage. Um, I felt my heart like I, I'm really instinct instinctive, so I follow my instinct all the time. I don't know if it works for everyone, but was something was calling me and I, I just decided to hear and I feel sometimes people just don't just don't listen to themselves uh, and when things go wrong for example they just oh it, it did go wrong like oh too bad no no if it did go wrong you there is another way like the the destination is the same but the ways if if one door closes There's another door that opens, if you know what I mean. You can always step back and then go to the other way. But I feel that you should have your destination set. And it doesn't matter the path you go. Like, just um, just, just be true to yourself, if I can say so. Well, thank you, Carolina, for that interview. And thank you for all the words of advice that you had for our listeners. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with? I would just like to say thank you. It's so nice. It's nice to share, and it's nice to, um, just to share. Yeah, those experiences. Um, it's nice. I really hope someone will listen to this. And if you're listening to this, if I'm here and I did it, you can definitely do it. It doesn't matter where you are in your life, in the stage you are. Um, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fun all the time. I've, I've been to, some really rough times here especially away from my family. I don't see them for a while now. And probably I won't be able to see them until my graduation next year. But still, um, yeah, I, I feel it's totally worth it. Just go, just go for it. I'm pretty sure it's, it's going to be worth it. I think so too. Thank you so much. That was some great advice. This episode has been brought to you by the Students of Color Collective in partnership with CFUV. This podcast was produced by Melanie Lam with the support of Funa Robosoye and Neha Saxena.